Thank you for tuning in to Detail Memoirs. This episode is brought to you by Rotafest and Zenware. Rotafest is the most powerful mobile invoicing software designed for auto detailers and recon professionals on the market today. More than just a mobile invoicing app, it gives you a complete suite of tools to manage your business. Yes, it has a mobile app designed for the iPhone and Android to decode the VIN and create an invoice in the field. But it also includes integration with QuickBooks, customer management tools, text and email reminders, reports, and now inventory management is included in this powerful suite of tools. Learn more about Rotafest at rotafest.com. All right, good day, ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of Rotafest Detail Memoirs. I'm Jody, and across the country is... I'm Rod, and if you notice, with my big fat head, it's now Rod FS today instead of Road FS. So while Jody's away, Rod will play. Yeah, and he is definitely having fun. And I'm having fun, too, because I'm at uh, Carolina Detail Supply with Brandon Ward and, of course, Meredith. She's just outside of the pick. Yeah, there you go. She looks better anyway. So, yeah, we got to have a, a little bit uh, improvement in our camera shots. So... Anyway, so we're super excited. So I dropped in after Mobile Tech Expo. Unfortunately, Meredith did not make Mobile Tech Expo. She had to take care of a dog or something. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so yeah, so we're at their shop here in uh, Thomasville, North Carolina. Um, Just getting Mm -hmm. RotaFest set up to to manage their inventory and their delivery system. So it's super fun because we're in it. Meredith and I have been in here scanning barcodes and getting them associated with the different products. So I want to ask, first of all, so how long have you guys been a distributor? Technically, I started in 2009 as a sub-distributor underneath somebody. And then around 2013, went out on my own. Yeah, so this is like our 11th year as our own business. 11 years. That's a long time. And did you do detailing before? I did growing up as a teenager. That was kind of my thing is detailing local community cars around where I grew up. It was just like we had a wash bay. My dad was smart enough to build a wash bay in our basement. So inclement weather. In your basement? Mm -hmm. So we had a drain, (laughs) everything, water hookup and everything over there so I could detail. And he and I got into doing that when I was a teenager. Um, I've always loved cars. It's always been a passion. Was that like a daylight basement where you could drive the car into it? Or how did that work? Um, So it was like a brick ranch style house, full basement underneath it. Um, And then dad had tiled the the whole basement. This was back seventies when you could yeah, get away with stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then we just had that lighting in on both sides and a water hookup over next to on the wall and just kind of made it work. It was good. That's fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard of a detail shop being in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of a couple, but it's few and far between. <clears throat> Yeah, that's good. Good foresight. So then, you know, it's a little different than most people we talk to because most people we talk to started out as detailers and then they picked up a little storefront. Mm-hmm. But you guys have done it the other way around. And now, um, you know, it, it makes sense to do what you guys are doing because you guys have been, I mean, obviously for 11 years, you're doing it right. But um, so how many how many uh, different like around how many clients do you guys service with your with your mobile detail supply? Um, we're probably pushing probably a thousand close to it. Almost. Wow. I mean, across markets wise, um, most, both our trucks probably hit close to 25 stops a day on each yep. route. Run, so yeah, easily, easily a thousand. So 
That's a lot of stops. Yeah. yeah. That is a lot They're of They're on two-week increments. Yeah. The two-week cycle. Mm. Everybody, every two weeks. Do you service car washes or just detailers? A little bit. Um, that's, that's just a completely different industry. And so yeah. you're stuck to really do the maintenance side of car wash. It's yeah. hard to really break into that. You can get, you know, some of the local mom and pop car washes that take care of their own maintenance are, are pretty easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just a whole nother undertaking. Pretty much separate business. So one of the things that I think is interesting is that there are more and more detail owners who are coming out with their own products and trying to become their own distributors. So how do you see that affecting the market and what kind of challenges do you see them encountering? So I feel like it's a natural progression only because it was something we were talking about at Mobile Tech this week. Yeah. Um, the lifespan, the working lifespan of a detailer, you just wear yourself out. Yeah. Um, so if everybody wants that next step and you're, you're knowledgeable, you, you know, you're just experienced in the detail industry. So you want to get in the product side of it. I'm intrigued to see how it turns out. It's, it's tough because there are just so many brands in the marketplace. And it's just at mobile tech, there's three or four brands. I've seen a couple of them, but never really seen them in person. Yeah. Seeing them in person. Um, it's like how many more can keep coming? You know, and that's where we've, it's tough for us because running route trucks, you can only stop so much on a truck. So yeah. with online retail sales, you know, that's, you can flourish there. It's just hard getting the volume when you're just selling to retail. <clears throat> so what, for you guys, there's a different progression you guys are doing. And so tell us about what you guys are starting to do in the back of the warehouse. Well, it's, it's making more dollars per square foot for the footprint we have. Um, We've always loved detailing, got into this through detailing, and we're going to open up our own retail detail shop in the back. And we're also going to, that allows us also to build out a training center to go with it, um, to be able to start having classes monthly, quarterly. So are those going to be training classes more geared to DIY? Both. Or the do both. detail, yeah. gotcha. You know, I'd like to be able to start hosting where we can do IDA certifications here, um, have the DIY guy come in. It's like, like with PNS, you know, we sell a lot of the, the storefront size products. So we have a lot of retail business um, yep. and just be able to kind of help them progress and, and learn more. Hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand that having training for uh, individuals or DIY people actually leads to helping your detail business increase mm -hmm. revenue because um, a lot of times you know, people think, well, that's just teaching these guys how to do it themselves. Well, <clears throat> they're not necessarily going to do it to the level that someone that's IDA certified and, and skills validated and, and all that can do um, on the details. So they learn what it's about and then they go, yeah, I don't want to take it that far. Or, yeah. I'm afraid. I've heard this before. I'm afraid to do that on my own car because, you know, I just learned how to do it and I don't want to take this you know, burn through my paint or whatever. So it actually is increased. I mean, I know some, some people like Shane Mayfield that has those out in central Oregon that has a, you know, learn how to maintain your own car in between the, the, the details. Mm -hmm. And then it makes it easier for the detailer. I mean, if, if you get them set up right and they're using the correct maintenance, when it comes back in, that's much less effort you're having to output. Yep. So th that's that's awesome. Training center, detail shop. So what is your? We were just talking to Jody Meredith about this before. But what is the total footprint that your that your shop there has? About eight thousand square feet. <clears throat> um, most of it's warehouse. We've got a couple offices and in the showroom part of it. But 
Yeah. Yeah, the showroom's probably eleven hundred, maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit smaller than that, but yeah. So thousand yeah. or so. Yeah, thirty by thirty is nine hundred square feet, which is all where a lot of people's garages, you know, they're yeah. shooting out of a nine hundred square foot bay, but um, that's a, that's a good size footprint. I mean, as Jody walked around in there, there's, there's a lot of room for products. Um, if you were a guy that wants to swing in and pick it up on your own and not be on that delivery route. Um, so you said you have two mobile trucks. Is that right? Actually three. Um, that's the other side yeah. of our business. We started this past year um, sticking with the CDS acronym. We have Carolina dealer supply as well. And we sell additives into the service side of the business. Yep. Kind of branch out and be a one-stop shop when it comes for dealerships. Nice, so. nice. And that do you do you still find a lot of? I mean, I know in the last several years I've seen a trend here, but what are you seeing over there as a trend? Is you see a lot of dealerships that are walking away from their own internal detailers and then they're bringing in companies that do it, or is it kind of a mix? It's still a mix, and it, it seems to be a revolving door everywhere you go, depending on the management that comes in and what they've done previously, mm-hmm. kind of how it it rotates. Um, <clears throat> You know, there still is those options for labor businesses out there. There's still there's a ton of them here in the Carolinas, um, some big ones. And but then there's those managers that want control and want to bring it back in house and, and be able to really police what they're doing. Yeah. So, so they're still out there. I know there's a lot of people uh, that are uh, individual uh, techs that are, that are, that are a little leery of going into dealerships. But I mean, you guys know as well as I do that there's a lot of people that make a lot of money off of dealership services. You just have to know what you're doing and not get taken advantage of. And not because dealerships are shady or anything like that. It's just that they're obviously trying to control costs. Yeah. Um, they have a certain cost per, per vehicle that they want to put out there. And there's a lot more controls in place. So it's not the same as a retail business. You do have to uh, do do it kind of their way, but but you can definitely make a lot of money doing it. And that's one thing we've always tried to help dealerships with. Sometimes it's frustrating for sure, is to see the detail department as a profit center, not just a cost. Yep. Even offer those. A lot of them are trying to get into that because car sales are so messed up right now, and profitability off car sales is not there like it used to be. To treat the detail department as profit center, turn it into retail detail, and actually make some money out of it. So yep. Yep, because people have a tendency to take their car back to a dealership. And if you can offer them, I mean, they've done it for years. They've offered, you know, undercoating and, um, you know, wheel packages and, you know, up, upselling on, you know, uh, different aftermarket wheels and stuff right within the dealership. And if they do that as far as a detail bay and you have somebody that's trained and certified that could do ceramic coatings on a brand new car, I mean, that's a profit center for you. It's, it's just one more way to make a little bit more money on that car and then keep people bringing it back for services. Um, I know a dealership here in, in Boise that they uh, they call it their detail bay, but they actually um, they outsource it to someone else. But they actually do kind of a a, a split, so they're they're guaranteeing work for the detail shop, mm-hmm. and they get a little percentage out of it. And, and and going forward, you know, looking at the future of dealerships, they really are going to have to focus on that service side. I think to be profitable, just because of the way the car market is now. I don't know that I see it going back from this current status where we're at. Where you're almost having to order your car if you're wanting something. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. Gonna, it looks like they're going to start running really lean and not overstocking. So it's, it's just going to completely change the way that industry runs. Yep. Yep. And they get they get some scarcity out of it. Toyota's done a really good job of that for the past several years, even before the supply chain issues that we've seen the last couple of years. They offer a special color and it's a limited edition. Well, they get people lining up for it. My I, my sister bought one um, 
I think she went from Idaho to Arizona to pick it up um, because she wanted this special kind of a sea foam green and they only offered so many a year. It's a great, great market. And if you want to, if that's what you're into with cars is this special color package or whatever, I think people are doing a good job of doing that. On the flip side of that, what I'm seeing is that the used car market uh, is flourishing. I mean, cars that we used to see that, you know, I call them a dime a dozen, they're starting to go up in value. Um, because people are realizing that what they have, they got to hold on to. We saw the same thing in the housing market, right? It was like houses, all of a sudden housing prices went through the roof and everybody started taking a little bit better care of their old crappy house because it was worth so much more money. And the same is true with cars. Um, uh, Jody and I, this year, we're going to be putting together, we've already started this. Obviously we had to do some prep work. So we've already started the videos. We haven't released any of them, but we're actually doing a total re recon on, uh, it's my truck that I've beat up since 2007. Um, took it to a dealership. We got the value of the vehicle, the way it sat. And then we're going to go through and do all the recon and take it to shops that are certified uh, in each of the reconditioning areas like PDR and wheels and, um, you know, obviously detailing. And then I'm, I've got to deal with the dealership where I'm going to take it back and they're going to give me the value of it after all the recon to show the value increase that you can get um, out of just spending a little extra money to, to take care of your car. And a lot of times I think people, they see their, the paint is kind of got, you know, all the micro scratches on it and there's a few little dings in it and maybe the wheels are looking a little crappy and they're like, oh man, I got to get rid of this. I got to get something new. And nowadays with the prices of vehicles and the waiting list, people are going, man, I really got to recon this car and make it look new again. Definitely. <clears throat> and as we've seen, I mean, my generation stuff that we, like growing up, those those Fox Body Mustangs, those you know that stuff's coming back around, and if you've got, you almost got a gold mine right now. So if you've preserved it, maintained it, kept up with it, you know, stuff is going for stupid money. I seen on Barry Jackson yeah. last weekend. Yeah, I was yeah. last week. I was like, man, I really wish we had the car that I hated as a kid. What's up? We had a '66 VW bus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, man, if I had that right now, yeah. well, I'd be sitting on some cash. Yeah. Yeah, you. Um, I, I was a Volkswagen guy as a kid growing up, and I've had several of them. Um, and back in the 80s, you couldn't give away a 66 Volkswagen Microbus. Nope. You literally, you could put it on the street and put free runs and nobody would take it. And nowadays, those things are going for 60 grand. I mean, it's oh it's insane. So, yeah, I got a um I I bought a car this summer and the value increase of what I purchased and what it's worth now is staggering. It's more than twice the value right now and it's it's crazy just just watching them go up. And I mean, that's good and bad. I've been in hot rods my whole life and it's 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 bad <laughs> it's it's good if you want to sell one. It's bad when you want to buy a new one cuz you're like, "Oh, crap, a scrapped out old rusted out body's worth 10 grand, you know." Um so I've, we've been, I've been lucky. Um, I own, uh, I own a 55 Bel Air two door Chevy. I own a 57 Chevy pickup. And then I just picked up this 2001, uh, 911 Carrera convertible. And I was really lucky on all three of them that, that, that I picked them up at way under value. Like just, just to give you an example. And I bought it a long time ago, but I paid 1500 bucks for my 55 Chevy. Um, that car right now rusted out, no engine transmission, no interior, nothing is worth about 10 grand. And so, yeah, you're sitting on a lot of <clears throat> value. And I think a lot of people that would have just scabbed something together and got it out there are now going that extra level. And they want to put in, 
the detail to it and make it just that much more pristine to bring in as much value as they can. Agreed. So I have a question. So obviously mm-hmm. Meredith is sitting next to me and it's, it's been really fun to come here in person, right? Because um, you get to see how the actual operation works. Cause a lot of times, you know, we're working remote and you yeah. have an idea, but to actually be in shop and actually mm-hmm. see and talk about it and uh, how we can improve the process and stuff. But one thing that you said yesterday really hit me. She's like, Brandon's got all these big ideas and then he makes me do it all. <laughs> Hey, that so, sounds like you and I, Jody. I know. So <laughs> it's like, so I wanted to talk about that a little bit because obviously you guys are a dynamic duo. You're working at this together. So let's talk about the challenge and, and the fun of, you know, being a tag team from your perspective. Um, it's different. A lot of people, the goal of mine is to actually come full time within this next few months here mm-hmm. um, and leave a full time job. But a lot of people have said, well, how are you going to do it? You know, how are you two going to work together? You're, you're married. You can't separate the two. Um, we've actually been sharing the same office space for six, six months yeah. at this point. So we're not technically working together yet, um, but we're okay. still be working together. So a lot of people think it's weird, um, but we've kind of done this together all, all, all 13 way. plus years. Um, so Brandon is more of the ideas person and I'm more of the execution of the ideas. And the other part of that is because for so long, I did it on my own and had the ideas and had to do all the implement. I need somebody to be here to help take some of that off yeah. of me too. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so part of it, do you guys find Meredith that it's, it's understanding and knowing your role, right? I mean, I think people that have been married a certain amount of time, it's the same thing. You, you understand what your role is and what your role is not. Mm-hmm. And, and that helps you survive through both a marriage and a business. Yeah. There's a, there's times that we just kind of, I mean, I don't think in the business side of things, we've ever really gotten like frustrated or angry. Um, because we both kind of want the same thing out of it and wanted to see, to see the same success. Um, so really it's just, you, you're good at this. You go do this. I'm good at this. I'm going to stick to this and then kind of intermingling when we need to. Um, but bringing on staff has been one of the greatest things we did as a business. Yeah. Um, so talk about that because I think a lot of times and, and I've been in the room when you've been looking at applicants, I mean, it's, it's a challenge bringing on the right person. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of been spoiled. Um, I've always hired detailers up until this point. And I've personally known them um, or been customers, work for customers, et cetera. So this is a, we're, we're hiring somebody new now. And this is going to kind of be a different deal because I don't have somebody in the pipeline that I already kind of had cherry picked. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be a completely different ballgame and have to kind of teach the detail skills if, you know, if that person comes in without it. We've got a couple of candidates that, that have detailed background, but it's just going to be a whole different setup than what we've done before. So, so I think that's a real key. What you said about hiring staff has been one of the best things we've ever done. And one of the things that Jody and I, um, we've, we've started going more into a, a business series. Um, there's a lot of people that hesitate to do that, both on the on the side of, you know, even if they have a storefront, um, there's a gentleman I know that has a storefront and he couldn't decide whether he wanted to hire somebody. And I was like, do you really want to be out polishing on a car and hear the bell ring and you have to put the polisher down to go back and sell some product, you know, or vice versa. You're out in the front and you should be detailing a car. So hiring staff, I think it's a scary step, but it's one of those that when you're ready to do it and you've set the goals and you've met the goals of being able to bring that staff member on, that it is, it is literally night and day. I mean, 
Um, Jody and I uh, just hired another person this week to come in to work on RoadFS. And it's, it, we've already got, the day one was, gosh, what are we going to have him do? Today's day three. And it's like, <laughs> what are we not going to have him do? He's doing, I mean, get more and more, 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 because it frees you up, right? Mm-hmm. It frees you up to have, if, if I were there right now and you hired me and I was working on the front counter um, and, and I was there to take care of the front stuff, it'd free you guys up to do other stuff. It's not that you're sitting in the back room with your feet kicked up. I know the two of you guys would be working out or coming up with some new business idea or polishing a car or something. But that gives you the opportunity to focus on the important parts of running the business and make keeping it successful. Totally agree. And that's and that was to one of my detriments. You know, and it frustrates me because I know this could have been further along than even we are now. But I waited way too long to hire my first employee. It, you know, it, it all worked out. Everything's great. But, man, I ran myself ragged for years. And it's tough, right? Because on one, on one hand, you got to take that leap of faith. But at the same time, you're going, wait, I can, I don't, I'm not sure if I can do it, but I need it. And it's, it's like, you have this internal wrestle and you also look at the, the pocketbook and you're like, uh, mm-hmm. am I, how am I going to afford that? And that's yeah, right. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's interesting because once you finally, I mean, it's like, you know, you can see it in your business. You can see the patterns, you know, what's happening. But you're looking at the numbers. You're like, man, how am I going to afford this? I need it, but how am I going to do that? And finally, when you make, pull the trigger, all of a sudden, you know, it opens up floodgates that you didn't anticipate. And you're like, oh wow, should have done this sooner, right? And followed that gut. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But taking advantage of that and having things for people to do, and I think I think anticipating that ahead of time. The one place you don't want to be is you don't want to be hiring somebody that you haven't thought through and you're just, you're so desperate. You got to hire a body. I, I, it's yeah. not about bringing in a body. It's about bringing in somebody. Cause I've seen so many people that'll hire somebody and within two weeks, that person's gone. And I think that's just a matter of planning and saying, this is the type of person. These are the skills that I need. And some stuff is teachable. Um, other stuff, they need to have that background. Right. Um, and so I think that uh, that is, that is where I think some people suffer is that they just want a body and they go, too far on the financial side and well, I can only afford this body, but you really need somebody that's got a little higher level. And so Jody and I actually have it on a whiteboard. We have the, the, the goals that we need to hit. And when we hit that, it says equals new hire. Um, and that, that is one of those things where I think if you plan for that going forward, it isn't always one, two, three, ABC. Sometimes you skip step two and you go to step three. Um, but, but again, you guys have, have been in business long enough that you understand there's going to be ups and downs and, and you got to have that cushion and things to take care of. And in a downturn, they're going to do something else, you know, okay. I know we hired you to work at the front counter, but the shop needs swept. So, you know, yeah. And one beauty, one thing I've spoiled about to have is that she's worked in HR for a large municipality for years and has done hiring and, and HR side. So that's one thing that yeah. really aids us. Yeah. Is we make sure we do it right. So what yeah. do you guys, you know, looking back over the past 11 years, what are some key things that have really like been eye openers that, that you've really learned from in building your business? Definitely networking, um, kind of having, and then finding a mentor, somebody that you can pass ideas off on and, and go over, you know, that you think are going to be great. And they've already tried those and will tell you that they do or don't work. That's a huge asset. Um, yeah. Training really being in our business. I like being hands on. That's one thing we've always done really well is 
we could always back up the talk with the skills. So that's one yeah. thing that's always benefited us. Um, yeah, because your skills validated yeah. uh, IDA members. And all my guys are. Um, yeah. And that's what we always try to make sure that we we do that. Um, take them to mobile tech or wherever we can get them validated at because they've all got that experience. Yeah. And different. Yeah, and that'll be a real help when your shop gets that too. So Yeah. And don't be cheap. Yes. It goes back to the hiring. Like when you can hire somebody, you need to hire them. If you can afford to get something nicer, go ahead and just make the commitment because the money will come because you mm-hmm. won't be spending the time maintaining the truck all the time because it's breaking down. <laughs> um, that was our life for so many yes, years I was... Put engines in, transmissions in, rear end. Like, we tried, you know, we just didn't always. have the money to buy the nicer thing and we would buy whatever could get us through, but we'd spend weeks out of the year not running. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. I would rather wait two weeks and get the one we want than yes. buy it now. And it's like, I, I hate the, and I say this all the time, Jody's going to shake his head, but I hate the mentality of ready, fire, aim, and then go crap. Now we just bought a piece of junk and now I got to spend mm-hmm. money. on it. So wait that extra two weeks, plan it out and, you know, find ways to, um, I think in business, you need to find ways to help keep your business afloat. Um, one of the financial pieces of advice that I got years and years ago, I have a mentor in the financial industry and there, um, this guy's business is well above uh, 50 million a year. And, and he's been a really huge asset to me personally to help me make decisions at our business level. And one of the things is secure uh, a cushion whether that's a loan or a line of credit or something, but secure that cushion so that if you have extended yourself out there and there's unforeseen circumstances, you can cover it. And that has been absolutely priceless, you know, because we, Jody and I can make a decision and say, you know, we're not quite to goal number, hire a third person, but we're going to do it anyway because that cushion is going to carry us through and that person's going to bring in enough value because we got somebody waiting in the wings and, and that's going to bring it in. And I think that that is the key. Um, equipment's the same way. We do not skimp on equipment. I don't care what financial situation we've been in. When one of our software engineers needs a laptop, it, it's not something you buy at Best Buy. These are unbelievable. I paid less for cars than we pay for some of these. Machines, but, um, but that is what you, you have to do, right? I mean, you guys, I can see behind you guys, you have you know, you have quality racks even holding your products up there. You don't have some flimsy, you know, uh, uh, thing that you bought at the at the dollar store. So you you need to have the equipment you need. And that's, I think, the advice when I see somebody that's starting out in business and they say, well, what should I do? Should I just go to, you know, Walmart and buy the crap off the shelves and, and a crappy polisher? And you're like, you shouldn't do that because it's going to burn up. It's got plastic gears. Spend the money on the equipment. You're going to be money ahead doing that. You know, I, I can guarantee you right now, if you talk to somebody, if you talk to Chris Metcalf or Jason Rose at Flex or Rupes, that you'll, that is the key to it is buy good equipment, buy good products, and then you're going to be money ahead. You can ask more money for your services. And I don't think we've had anybody in the last two years that's cheap out. And, and I think that's it's It's a really underestimated impact on your business. And, you know, especially when you're just starting out, you know, right. You're trying to run lean, you're trying to run on a budget and you're, mm-hmm. but sometimes the best investment is in yourself and in the right. Anytime equipment. we got the opportunity to, to take a next step, to buy the nicer racks, um, to get the better vehicle, to upgrade the, the apparel. We, we did it. We didn't just keep doing yeah. things as they were. So yeah. Cool. Pay for the training, go to the training, get certified. Go to the training. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, you know, why we all have a good relationship because we try to go to 
anything and everything to where we can interact and, and yeah, be a part of that circle that, yeah. That you and need. you get, you know, get things like insurance. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't have like errors and omissions insurance. And we actually did a podcast with Prentice St. Clair. And one of the questions is what's errors and omissions insurance. And I was like, you're polishing on somebody's car and you don't have insurance that if you screw it up, it's paid for that's coming out of your pocket. And that is, that is beyond me. I would never touch somebody's car unless I had more than enough money to pay for that car. Yeah. I mean, you know, you errors and omissions insurance for a million dollars is cheap. Yes. Go get it. And then you can work on anything virtually and, and you can feel safe about it. I mean, you're not necessarily going to burn through the paint on Air Force One and cover that, but you might be able to burn through the paint of a McLaren and get that covered with that million dollars insurance. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's cheap. So yeah. That's cool. So how do people uh, get connected with you guys? So you're in North Carolina. But. We are. We have a storefront in Thomasville, North Carolina. Um, we are online everywhere at Carolina Decal Supply. Um, online at storefront. We have Instagram, Facebook. Um, a few messages, you're probably going to talk to me. So Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to do that is to message these guys. These guys are genuinely as nice as they sound on this podcast. I you guys are one of the nicest couples I've ever met. So you guys very true. get a hold of them, ask them any question. They will help you out. I mean, whether that's a business question, detailing or products, for sure products, get online and, and talk to these guys. And one other thing, I want to piggyback on what she said. We also have another website, which is kind of another business on top of that. It's detailtruck.com. It's kind of our wholesale website that we launched, business to business side of it. Oh, cool. So really kind of targeting um, the professional detailer. So have yes. discounts, have a, you know, a, a portal where you can get wholesale pricing. So you got to get connected to Brandon and Meredith. I mean, like Rod said, they're probably the nicest couple in the industry. Um, plus they run a great business and they'll definitely take care of you. Um, it's super, um, I feel super blessed to be able to come and hang with them for a couple of days. Uh, had to leave Rob behind. because I know he abandoned me. So, but somebody's got to do the work. <laughs> <laughs> so hey thank you guys so much for joining us please remember to like share and subscribe and we will check you same time same bad channel just next week see ya see you later guys have fun thanks man don't miss me i i won't <laughs>